You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season two. It's episode number 83. We are assessing the Cubs starting pitching. Of course, we want you to download the podcast. We want you to listen. We want you to review. Subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Check us out on all our socials. All right, Carly, let's get into a little uh, news on the field and off the field for the Cubs and the MLB overall. Yeah, you know, more and more buzz. The Cubs are among probably 29 other teams that are interested in Japanese left-hander mm-hmm. Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Um, nice job with that, by the way. That was good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you are you are really, truly, there's a lot of teams that have been scouting him. The Yankees are up there. The Mets are up there. Like I said, there, there's nobody in baseball that doesn't want this kid. Uh, according to our buddy Patrick Mooney, Jed Hoyer was on a scouting trip to see uh, Yamamoto. He's a lefty with phenomenal numbers in Japan. He is only Dustin, 25, and he has won what the Japanese call the quadruple crown, leading the league in wins, winning percentage, ERA, and strikeouts for the last three seasons. He has won um, two of what would be our equivalent of the Cy Young Award, the best pitcher. Um, you know, and so, boy, you saw what happened um, as far as with the Mets and getting uh, Forkballer in there to you know, really, really kind of, he, I think when you, when you saw the way that the Mets handled it, I think that that was a real good blueprint because they don't throw as many games in Japan as they do in the United States. Right. So the right. way that the Mets handled Kodai Senga was using him almost as a six, um, every sixth day starter, right? It wasn't like officially that, but they definitely gave him a lot more rest than they would a normal uh, ball, uh, normal starter that was, you know, played his whole career in MLB. And so I think that gives you a, a blueprint. And Yamamoto, like I said, he, he is absolutely impressive. Again, remember, Say Suzuki was trying to recruit, you know, uh, Shohei Otani to the Cubs. Well, maybe he can do the same with Yamamoto. And the other thing, Dustin, his locker mate in Japan, Frank Schwindel. Hmm. Now that's interesting. There's a little twist and you know, Frank, uh, you know, really liked, uh, really liked his time here. Yeah. Can you imagine if Frank, the tank is responsible for uh, helping the Cubs land that that would be worth something. Yeah. You get a little extra bar tab over at any of the establishments. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, as usual, Dustin, I, I'm sitting there driving in my car on Saturday and what do I, I'm, you know, right away on 670, the score inside the clubhouse, uh, with Bruce Levine, and I think Mike Esposito was with him again. Espo this week, yep. Yep. And so, you know, the one thing that he mentioned, and and this hasn't, this has been kind of bubbling up since the end of the the season, is, and we've talked about it. The Padres are trying to shed salary. One salary that they are looking to shred is Juan Soto. And you think about that deal, and they gave up a lot to get Soto from the Nationals, and it just, I don't know what's not working out there. I don't know clubhouse stuff. I don't know any of that stuff. It's, it's been kind of a crazy situation to have all those stars, but sometimes if the chemistry is not right, Dustin, um, you know, it just doesn't work out. And so the Cubs name have been kicked around. Now, the one thing that Bruce mentioned that really kind of turned my head a little bit, you know, uh, while I was driving is that he said that the Padres are high on Christopher Morrell. Okay. So the Pirates need to shed salary and Soto is expected He's still arbitration eligible. Next year, he'll be a free agent. Soto's expected to make $23 million for next season. Hypothetically, if 
the Cubs were to trade Christopher Morrell, and I doubt it would be a one-on-one trade, but let's say it was. I'm just saying that, right? That would be a $22 million savings for the Padres. Yeah. Okay. Morell's under team control until through 2028. He isn't arbitration eligible until 2026. So when you think about Morell and what he can bring to the team, and again, similar, I think, to, you know, what he was with the Cubs, able to fill in a lot of gaps, everything, you know, and I, when I look around the diamond is where he would fit in San Diego. I'm not sure. They got their third baseman, second baseman, shortstop. You know, I, I assume he'd play maybe some outfield. Right. I don't know. But, that's but, not, you know, but if he went there, that's not our problem then anymore, right? Right. right. I, so, it, it sounds like a salary thing, Crawley. It sounds like a salary dump. That's what it sounds like. And it's, so, not, it's not a secret. So teams aren't going to be giving up everything because you're taking on all that salary. Correct. And so, again, if you're going with just Christopher Morrell for Soto, you know, that would just be a salary swap and the Cubs would eat the salary. Now, if the Cubs wanted the Padres to take some salary, they they kind of would, you know, add some prospects. I don't know, Dustin, but, and I don't know how likely it is that a Morrell for Soto swap. Uh, I mean, if they offer that, I would take it in a heartbeat. I mean, you uh, had without to, a, right? without, well, you'd have to, without a doubt. And we all like Christopher Morrell, but there's a big difference between Christopher Morrell and Juan Soto. And, and the question I have for you, Dustin, here is we were kind of talking about this on the last podcast. I, I don't know why it just popped into my head is what about the possibility? Because, again, it left and right. You got Ian Happ. You got uh, Saya. And both of those guys are here for, I think, what, Saya's got three years and I think Happ's got two years. But they right. both have no trade clauses. So those guys aren't going anywhere um, unless they waive their no trade clause, which I don't see that happening with either player. Uh, but where would you play Soto? Would, would you kind of have say happen Soto switching off left field DH? I think that makes the most sense, right? That's first blush. That makes, that makes all the sense in the world. Yes. Now let, let me ask you this as well. Now, or you, or, Hap, you, or you, or you trade Ian Happ, right? I mean, again, no trade clause. If he would, he, if he would accept that, right. but I would sit there and I was just, hey, thinking he this might, way. if he knows that he's not going to play as much, right? Right. And, 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 you know, I just keep kicking around this idea. What if Dustin Ian Happ, he, he remember, he came up as an infielder. He yep. came up as a yep. second baseman and then they had him play center before moving him to left. Okay. Could he play first base Dustin? I was just about to say that. Yep. It's a good idea. I, I think mean, he could. I think he could. He's a good enough athlete. You know, you don't need the strongest arm. He, he you yep. know, you, you, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm sure he's a good enough athlete to make catches if he's able to do it at second. I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't be able to do it to first. I wonder if you could literally solve that problem and put Ian Happ at first, and that would end the first base problem. And then, you know, you it just, boy, you could you could have Ian Happ leading off. You know, you you could, there's, there's so much you could do. Obviously, I think if you get Soto, you're not getting Bellinger. But I think Dustin, you and I, and every Cup fan is agreement that you really got to land one of those two, whether it's Bellinger and whether it's Soto, and then try to figure it out from there. Yep, totally agree. I don't think anybody would disagree with that idea at all. So hopefully the Cubs will do what we're uh, what we're hoping they would do. And Crawley, I know that there is some uh, sad news for Cubs fans. Uh, I saw this on social media. You and I exchanged a text. Uh, tell us about uh, Dorothy. Dorothy Farrell. Um is probably, I would, um, I would say probably 
one of the greatest Cub fans you could ever meet. Um, even if you didn't know her, you've seen her um, all throughout the 80s. Uh, Harry Carey, Arnie Harris, they would always focus the cameras on her for two different things. Number one, seventh inning stretch, and number two, YMCA. She loved the YMCA. When they would take the opposing pitchers out, it's been tradition, YMCA comes up, and there was no one that would do the YMCA better better than her. And um, so her seats were in the vi- right behind the visitors dugout on the vers- first base side. And she really got attention when the Cubs made it in 2016 in the NLCS and in the World Series. And Ken Rosenthal did an interview with her. And, she, you know, she was at Kerry Woods 20K game. She was literally at every game that, you know, that you could ever imagine. Always smiling, always laughing. And, and she was just a, a phenomenal Cub fan. Um, she did a, if you go on YouTube on WGN, Pat Tomasulo did a hilarious interview with her when he was doing her, her shot of choice was Jaeger and Lord almighty Dustin. I did. I don't even know how many Jaeger shots I've done with Dorothy in my lifetime. Um, but she, even at 90 could drink the best of us under the table. She was somebody back in in the heyday, um, this was a pre-Club 400 iteration. It's called the Wild Bunch, and, and, and she was part of that. And they would go to the different stadiums and hang out with the players at the hotels and, and party with them. And she was just absolutely legendary. And she, she made you laugh. I have a picture up here of her giving me a kiss on the cheek. And, and um, you know, it was when Pat Tomasulo interviewed her, you know, he asked about her favorite players, and she said Mark Grace – and uh, she said, Grace had a nice butt. Um, and that was Dorothy, man. There was, there was, there was absolutely no filter. Um, she was, she was a hilarious lady that would just did that love baseball, love the Cubs. Um, and I have a picture up here. If you're subscribed to the 670, the score YouTube channel, someone took a picture of her. It's a Getty picture. Um, and on it, she, it, it, she had one of those shirts that just said just one till before I die. And, and it looks like she's just looking in, in, into the great beyond. And so um, the last time I hung out with Dorothy was for her 94th birthday three years ago. And COVID had just started. It was all sorts of craziness. And she, at that point, had to be in assisted living, unfortunately. But we had a car parade and all drove by and honked. And we, we had some cakes. It was socially distanced. Everyone was wearing masks. So please don't get mad at me or anything like that. But um uh, she, uh, you know, we played YMCA for her go Cubs go. We played all her favorite songs and the memory wasn't that good at this time, but God, when that YMCA came, she sure knew how to dance. And, uh, and they actually called the cops on us. So think oh, about geez. being, being 94 years old and having the cops, cops called, to your, called party. your 94 years, 94th <laughs> birthday party. Well, based on what you said, Crawley, it sounds like that she would have, uh, really appreciated that. Uh, and again, I do remember seeing her on television. I remember, Plenty of uh, women in my life saying that uh, that's what they wanted to do in their retirement, to go to all the Cubs games uh, like she was able to do. So uh, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty cool, pretty special. And uh, obviously somebody that you uh, knew and enjoyed being around very much. I do. I, I, I loved her a ton. Um, I'm going to miss her. I'm just glad that uh, she was able to have a very full life and, and got to see her Cubbies win in 2016. And, and she will be missed.